0: Mike,
1: Mike, and Oscar Weekly is MMO Weekly. Yes,
0: welcome, welcome, welcome to the show that comes to you once a week recapping the Hollywood week that was getting you ready for the Hollywood week to come. This is Mike, Mike, and Oscar Weekly, hashtag MMO Weekly, hashtag MMOW. I am your co-host, Mike One, with me as always, very close yet still so far away, my co-host also <laughs> Mike. Yeah, and hashtag MMO
1: weather, because we have a beautiful day outside, and it is fitting because we have some positive news stories to cover here today, Mike. I mean, if things are starting to look up, dare I say that, that I just jinx the entire world?
0: Yeah, there's no doubt that this is all going to end in a fiery crash at some point, because everyone <laughs> is just acting like we are cured as a nation, and it is full go, baby. But, uh... We'll see, I guess. You're right. For now, we do have some positive stories, which we haven't had lately, so we need some of <laughs> those, and that's a good way to start off our news of the week. News, 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 yes! Oh, Greek.
1: so Mike, get those gondolas ready. <laughs> The Venice Film Festival is still on. Cate Blanchett is the jury president. It's supposed to happen on September 2nd all the way through the 12th. Italian movie theaters are planning their openings mid-June. Thirty to forty percent of the usual talent might still come. They got more submissions in certain segments, like the Venice Days segment, than last year, and we got Can involved because they, you know, they're going to put forward a gesture of solidarity.
0: All right, so we're full full speed ahead here on the the rivers of, the streets of how do you go to the store if you live there is what i've always wondered that's an important question right you got to like sw- you can't swim in those waters you have to own something some kind of vessel or gondola
1: what was the James Bond speedboat? It was
0: a speedboat that was also a car. That would be the perfect uh, vehicle, I would <laughs> right, guess. Exactly. All to get a pound of cheese. But all right. The Venice Film Festival, like you said, is going forward. and variety's reporting. Uh, some places will be heavier than last year. Some places will be lighter than previous years. But it sounds like those in charge of Venice have taken the proper steps to ensure the biggest power brokers in the industry are all on board uh, before they went forward and said this announcement. I think that's a smart move. Mm. Minori Ravindran, my apologies if I mispronounced that last name for Variety, reported that after sending a survey out to film executives in order to gauge their concerns and fish for suggestions, Venice felt confident enough to make this announcement and even hinted that top tier talent should be expected at the festival as well, which you've already mentioned, Michael.
1: Yeah, we can't talk about this. Venice Film Festival or the fall film festivals in general, without really kind of giving a, a state of affairs for the entire world, Michael, and this pandemic at large, because we have a lot of positivity going around, and I, I do think the op, that optimism is a good thing, though it's very cautious for you and I right now. But mm-hmm. I am heartened by the fact that Australia is testing vaccines, and and that's being public knowledge. I'm heartened by the fact that the Georgia reopening numbers in the USA they did not have have a spike over there yet that they've noticed mm-hmm. and we got all of these stories about sports leagues and and theme parks and and businesses and you know multi-phase plans about everything ramping
0: back up again and reopening Yeah, there's definitely positives to be had. There's no question about that. My concern is what the concern's always been, is that you you got to be very cautious with any kind of reopening stuff because all it takes is one minor setback, and if you have that setback, the whole world's going to end up in in pandemonium once again, and it could undo all the good that we've done by being in quarantine and in lockdown. Uh, There are places that are still spiking back up that have ease restrictions, which isn't great. I mean, that's bad news, and if it happens to Venice, I guess... There's still probably, what would you say, like a couple weeks here where they can, or at least a month maybe at most, where they can go forward. If they still needed to pull the plug on this thing, they could at the very last minute without ruffling too many feathers. And I understand there's this giant sense to get back to normalcy worldwide. This could be a big step in that direction to feel like a sense of normalcy has returned if they actually go through with the Venice Film Festival here.
1: I, the truth is, I don't know in terms yeah. of the drop dead date, but we we know that the Oscars have not moved yet, and if they did you know, move a couple of weeks. If the NFL Super Bowl did land on that February 28th date and the Oscars were, you know, obviously going to move off of it, then it would make a lot of sense for the the entire schedule to shift maybe two, three weeks. Uh, If uh, they're not entirely comfortable with that early September, maybe a late September uh, film festival start for the fall might work better. I mean, that's still like in the back of my mind an option. So maybe that date is a bit fluid right now. I still think that with all the preparations everybody can cooperate to an extent but like the toronto guys said i mean they're not going to be able to move like three months or you know two months or whatever i mean it would be a it'd be a very brief move if if they could make one
0: yeah i i almost i I look at that kind of negatively as well because i I just don't know how logistically you'd be able to move all the moving pieces that need to go in coordination with one another for something that's big as venice with all the travel plans and hotel reservations logistically how you'd be able to move off that date at all but, but can I mean,
1: moved a little bit though can moved a month The can moved a few weeks you know they, yeah. they were pushing back i mean they had more of an opening with the summer even though we covered it back when and the tourist season was at the start obviously that didn't happen and, and they couldn't really get all the same stuff going that they wanted to so they canceled but i i do think like there's a little wiggle room
0: there's got to be a little bit I mean, I, your guess is as good as mine when it comes to this kind of thing. And I think the underlying important aspect of this is if Venice, the the if the tastemakers of Venice and the film festival there really did reach out to industry executives and insiders, and this is what everyone agreed on going forward, I think that's more important than anything that we're kind of projecting because it means that every, there's a coherent plan nobody's Mm. working against the grain here at least not for the most part that we can see it's everyone saying you know being in lockstep with one another this is the right move this is what we should do and we think we can pull this off safely which i think is very important
1: again i'm kind of heartened by all
0: this yeah Uh, there's a little reason for optimism which we need and haven't had in a lot of stories lately and uh maybe there's another one as we have the we are one film festival they announced their lineup and schedule this week as well michael So this
1: festival seems to be more of a new filmmaker showcase. It's not going to be the balance between, you know, the established films on the, uh, you know, the awards contending schedule for the year where you're going to make that grand announcement or you're going to start that grassroots campaign for a for a quote unquote Oscar movie. This seems like. You know, this seems like you're getting a lot of documentaries that that could have a fighter's chance into that conversation, but it's unlikely. You got some short films that hopefully one of those will catch on. You also got some big names in that regard. You got DreamWorks animation, they're premiering a bunch of their shorts. Other than that, I don't really see a lot of Oscar potential here. It would be unlikely and really unprecedented for a, a film by by a new filmmaker to just you know catch fire and start that grassroots campaign like i like i said uh, earlier What's impressive in this festival in, in comparison to South by Southwest is the quantity of what we're getting for free on YouTube from May 29th to June 7th. You got a lot of Q&As. You got a lot of special virtual presentations in that regard. You got a bunch of uh, you, you got hun- you got a hundred films or something like that. Uh, Iron Hammer, Joan Chen's documentary about legendary Chinese Olympic volleyball star. Jenny Lang Ping uh, is is the movie that The Hollywood Reporter seems to be fixing fixated on like something that has some possibility to get some buzz you got the mumbai film festival winner about monkey repellers professional monkey repellers in new delhi called eeb Ale oh i don't know if i'm pronouncing <laughs> that but it's a satire but and the
0: emphasis was important
1: so you have some bigger name films in terms of you know the the rising talent of the
0: industry and you do have a quantity where people can discover some fun stuff yeah in a way it's like Harkening back to the old school The original inception for the film Festivals to give maybe lesser known Names a platform and maybe not necessarily Be so fixated on Manipulating the awards race which is kind Of a cool thing but uh, you know, innovation is what's important here and what's what I've been crying out for. And I wish yeah. more more industries would kind of take advantage of this quarantine and this downtime to do so. And I'm, I'm kind of uh, like you were heartened by the last story. I'm heartened to see some innovation actually evolve for the film festival circuit and actually see a film festival or two or three that are involved in this embracing the streaming aspect of it, the online aspect of it, seeing YouTube as a, a tool more so than an opposition. Uh, that's kind of cool to me. It was fun to
1: watch a dozen South by Southwest short films. It was fun to watch a couple features when that was on Amazon Prime. So I'm hoping for a good experience. Hopefully I'll be able to review a few of these and I don't get mired in HBO Max uh, for for next week. But Michael, HBO Max is uh, premiering today at the time of this recording. And they made a huge announcement last week that they are planning to release the Snyder Cut. And uh, many news stories cited that it's actually going to cost more than $30 million
0: to make happen. I wonder what that real number is going to end up nestling at. Because to me, it seems as though that started at $20 million and then it was 20 to $30 million And now it's, well, we're going to maybe do more than $30 million to this. I wonder if they're trying to keep the visual of that number as low as possible. And it's going to actually be somewhere around the 50 to $60 million range to get completed. But yeah, so... That vocal minority of uh, comic book fanboys, they get their way. They've been online shouting for the Snyder Cut ever since Justice League debuted in theaters. I guess in a way this is genius on HBO's part, but this precedent terrifies me because the only people who have been railing on about releasing the Snyder Cut are usually the ones who have no problem openly trolling accounts online who disagree with them. At least that's my experience with this type of thing.
1: So I'm unfamiliar with all those stories. I, You know, I've heard a few podcasts talking about it. What do you know about all that trolling? Is it anything serious or is it just like annoying levels of trolling?
0: I think the latter, at least from what I've seen, it's the okay. latter. There are people who get really offended when you, you know, snap back about thinking you know anything about the Snyder Cut or about DC, or if you think the Snyder Cut is just unnecessary and that film was beyond help and beyond approach, that's you know, the types of accounts that I've seen going in on people. I haven't interacted with them personally. I've just kind of viewed the interactions from afar myself. But the Snyder cut is something that this small contingency of people online have insisted that exists. Right. And that 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 Zack Snyder should just get it out there and release it to the people and it would save Justice League. It would save the DCEU. You could see his vision, blah, blah, blah. WB's got to pour in $30 million or more to make the Snyder Cut. So I to me, this is not... This is suggesting that the Snyder Cut is like this amorphous thing that never even actually existed. HBO Max is just, wisely as it is, taking advantage of this as a marketing opportunity to draw in more subscribers, except that the thing that they're drawing people in with doesn't actually exist right
1: now. So Zack Snyder's backstory is tragic. I mean, he especially with this film. So... I wonder if a lot of his goodwill uh, has to do with that, and that would that would only be just, you know, humane. Uh, to feel the the way many fans do about him, based on his filmography, though, where where do you land? Because I'm I'm up and down on his filmography. Yeah. I liked Watchmen a little bit. I liked 300 when it came out. Same. It, it was it was new. It was cool. It was different. You know, he got a little bloated with Watchmen, and then yeah, with all the DC stuff, I think he's been more missed than hit. But it's it's the, the movies are mostly watchable, maybe with the ex- exception of Dawn of Justice. I I'm even one of those people who didn't hate Justice League as much as I thought I was going to hate Justice League. So fine, we've seen the director's cuts happen throughout film history, especially Mm -hmm. in the DVD, you know, uh, video at home age. This is not something new necessarily, but that is a big number, even though thirty million doesn't buy what it used to. That's a big number for this project, which, like you said, basically, you know, gets the cat, lets the cat out of the bag here that it never existed in right. the first place. I mean,
0: that's and, and there's been other stories, there's been follow-up stories that the actors from the Justice League aren't going to return to do any reshoots or any commentary or anything like that. So they are just working with the original director's cut that they have. So where that thirty million dollars is going to go into, I guess, is for all post-production stuff and special effects i would imagine but i don't know i'm just spitting into the wind here but look comparatively 30 million dollars based in a world where disney plus is spending 100 million on the mandalorian Mm -hmm. it's not outrageous whatsoever especially if you can draw in subscribers but imagine being like a young filmmaker or a director that's got this property that's been trying to shop it around and it's it could be your lifeblood during a quarantine during a pandemic you, try, you need that money and you see WB just sinking $30 million, $50 million whatever the real number ends up being into making this property just to appease this vocal and, and it is a vocal minority and they're very vocal but they are a minority because I can't buy the idea that enough people actually care about this project to call it a majority can you i mean you haven't even seen the interactions online and you use twitter as much as anyone else i think this
1: is a good business decision for I hbo too. max i think the publicity it's getting the roll-up for the streaming services debut it's all good news for them and the dc universe that comic book fandom is enormous so even a minority of that probable majority of people who love comic books in terms of the cinema going audience out there and and there there are many of them that want to see dc done differently and dc done right so i think this is an olive branch to them that they will have to watch it's a must-see you know property for them so it, it is an established property though and i would love to see hbo max i would love to see them shepherd new talents the same way we've praised netflix for doing so i would love to see them take rising talents like amazon like like apple and give them the big bucks like we've seen with uh, lena waith etc for for those two streaming services so it remains to be be seen if, the, if that's going to happen at HBO Max the same way it's happened elsewhere. So it could still be a positive influence on the industry. It's just, you know, this seems like a sure fire bet, an easier bet to make and to place. And, and I think it worked out well for him.
0: Yeah, I think you're taking an optimistic approach and i'm sure that's within the walls of hbo that's what the idea is with this too have this be a jumping off point and maybe we can do some greater good with this and hone some talent and get more people in the door and all that jazz and i hope that's what the uh, i hope that's what the thought behind this is and i will uh, i will rally behind it if you are if you have the correct take here Well, it's a
1: different scenario for HBO, though, because they have Warner Brothers behind them and they have New Line, which is owned by Warner Brothers as well. So they have two huge studios, right, two huge entities providing them with content that will exclusively be available on HBO Max. That's different from what Netflix has ever had. That's different from what Amazon ever had. They created from scratch kind of their production company. So it's a different situation for HBO, but I still would love to see them shepherd a lot of rising talents. We'll see. Michael, another big story this week was the secret Marvel movie announcement that it's apparently there's a film in production with director DJ Clarkson.
0: Yeah, Variety was on top of this one too. Big week for breaking news stories for Variety as they usually are very, very in, uh, seeped into the film world. They have a whole roster of reporters who do are- incredible job but yeah so dj clarkson directed a ton of marvel's netflix shows like jessica jones and the defenders and variety is reporting that sony is bringing her talents into presumably hone a different part of their spidey slash venom verse and the article is suggesting that sources they have talked to are pointing towards this property will be an introductory series to the madam web character making her hmm. screen debut in the sony portion of the mcu or the sony cu however you want to call that uh we it it could be a really tricky thing to do because as justin kroll's article and the character's wikipedia page tell you madam webb doesn't fight villains at least not in the comics. Well, I think this could be excited. Again, I'm taking
1: an optimistic read on this because I am all for Marvel Disney or Marvel Sony in this case. I'm all for them telling different kinds of stories with their Marvel films. So it was fun to watch Jessica Jones and Daredevil be a smaller scale in terms of the good guys versus bad mm-hmm. guys narrative. And then I think they lost their way when they tried to you know, save New York. Uh, at the end of uh, the Daredevil Season 3, whatever that was, because they they couldn't. (laughs) Anyway, Michael, I think... I think this is a cool idea. Is this a madam Webb story that turns out to be like a psychological thriller, mad scientist story, like the fly? Is it just a coming of age film? Is it a transformation drama? I you know, just tell a good story and you can make this work. And you know, the people behind Jessica Jones and DJ Clarkson there,
0: you know, she's she has a proven track record. So uh, you know, we'll see. Yeah, this is suggesting to me that Sony is going full bore into doing trying to copy pretty much what Marvel Studios have done with building out their universe because like you i assume this is going to be a different genre than the action typical action comic book beat-em-up movie that we get uh, featuring a comic book superhero anyways we already know we're getting morbius in a film that was supposed to come out already it's been pushed to 2021 there have been more than enough hints dropped that a sinister six movie is at least being built up for spider-man to have a clash with once he finally makes his sony solo debut away from marvel studios so madam webb being not the action-based thriller that those sources would be suggests to me that much in the way that Marvel is going into horror now with the next Doctor Strange movie, and they've done different types of genres, they've done the spy thriller, they've done the straight action movie, they've done the chase, you know, etc., etc., i think this is the blueprint that sony's going to follow now and i think they're going to try to make their own mini mcu uh using the marvel properties they have and i'm with you i think they can i think that makes for a more enriching cinematic universe when you have those when those stories and those different genres do finally tie together in the big you know crossover pictures that you have so i think it could
1: work Specifically with Spider-Man as well, because what worked so well for the Raimi films, or at least the first two, where the, were the stakes were much smaller. It was about Peter Parker and his relationships with the other characters. I think that was first and foremost. And then at maybe the end of the third movie, they're trying to save all of New York. It was at the end of the second movie, but I don't think it was the first movie he was trying to save all of New York. But again, at least it's not saving the world. It's saving one city. Right. Anyway, I think this is a worthy endeavor, and I'm curious. I'm, I'm very curious. Curious. So to see a secret, you know, project come to light here, uh,
0: it's got my attention. From what I read about Madame Webb, she reminded me of the Oracle from The Matrix. Hmm. And it seems like we're getting if we're getting the origin story of the Oracle from eh, that could be a pretty good drama. It could be disgusting because spiders <laughs> are disgusting.
1: It could be it could be eye-opening special effects because you know, you're dealing with a human spider, like literally a human spider. But if she's not fighting bad guys, then that obvi- that's obviously different. It's uh, antithetical for the Marvel universe and all the stories they've told. So yeah. I think with the success of Avengers Endgame, you gotta wonder how much bigger can you get. I know there's a wealth of uh, you know source material here, but I-, I know the comics have gone in different directions in the past,
0: and I I do think it's worthwhile for all branches of marvel to experiment i am with you and i'm very excited to see that and i hope nothing but the best for sony doing the marvel blueprint here and i hope they can give us something new to latch onto and sink our teeth into and speaking of something new that we're going to sink our teeth into we hinted at it already a couple times in this segment but hbo max as far as our final story for news of the week had its big roll out this morning on the 27th of may michael what are your thoughts initially I haven't gotten
1: it yet or I haven't changed my HBO subscription from $10 a month to the $15, you know, a month uh, streaming service option yet and I'm procrastinating because I told myself that I was going to like cut the cord but I didn't do any of that research yet. I told myself that I was going to reshuffle everything, you know, heading into this and it's just something else on my to-do list that it's not checked off. So I'm I'm totally procrastinating on it. I will say the fact that they have such a huge movie library that includes more than what we previewed because we we went at the uh, you know the wb backlog we went at a lot of the new line backlog during our preview in that bad education episode we did not know that a lot of the criteria collection was coming over as well
0: right yeah we there's a lot of third party stuff going in there as well big action blockbusters I've been saying for a while that that price tag is going to be justified. This is the second streaming service that I've ever bought on opening day. I haven't, I've just clicked through cursory. cursor. I haven't watched anything yet, but I was just clicking through before we started here and I bought on opening day and the only other streaming service I've done to buy opening day was the WWE Network which again tells you more than you need to know about me <laughs> but I'm very excited for HBO Max and I have been for a long time and seeing that we get you know the Aliens movies on top of it and the Jaws movies on top of it and the Criterion Collection even though for some reason they don't have their own hub on there I was seeing people complain about it on Twitter which I think is a justified complaint why wouldn't you put the Criterion Collection under its own hub if you have like an Adult Swim hub and a Looney Tunes hub but whatever that's a maybe they'll get on top of that and fix that and maybe they won't but that's a small complaint but there is so so much at your disposal here in a very different way than what was at your disposal. Anytime you sign up for Netflix and it's because of what you just said, Netflix, Netflix, had to build itself, and this is maybe more like the early days of Netflix's streaming library in that Mm -hmm. they had to buy licenses from all the other studios, and they had those options. There were beloved movies you knew and were familiar with already on Netflix. Well, they're here on HBO Max now because HBO Max has a bunch of studios, big and small, behind them that they can just cherry-pick their library from, so I'm very, very excited to get into it it feels a lot like the Disney
1: Plus launch in a way because it's like, come for the library, stay for the new stuff, stay for the HBO new stuff. Whereas I I wonder if that was the same thing for Netflix. Netflix was like a totally different animal where it was, all right, well... We're gradually growing the library, and the new stuff is exciting as they transitioned into the monster that they are now. The Apple uh, TV Plus launch was just come for the new stuff. Right. And now maybe people will stay for the library that they're supposedly rumored to have bought by now. So it's a really strange marketing campaign in my eyes because HBO Max is, like, marketing this whole push on, like, the Wizard of Oz And, you know, a lot of these classic films, like I was just looking at the Hollywood Reporter and there are more classic films being referenced than than new HBO stuff. So I was very surprised by that. But it is such an extensive library like Disney's was that it's worth, you know, paying 15 bucks just to click around
0: that. We should talk about the logistics of it since it is something brand new, and you can see this in a bunch of different articles that are floating around online right now as well. If you have Comcast, they don't have a deal for HBO Max yet. Uh, Some distributors, some cable distributors, do. If you have HBO through them, you automatically get HBO Max for free. Unfortunately, Mm -hmm. Comcast is not one of them. I unfortunately have Comcast, so I had to pay out of pocket for it. And as to you, Uh, if you have certain AT&T plans, I think there's only one wireless plan. It's something elite wireless plan uh, or if you have tv through at&t you have internet through at&t you may want to call them you can get it for free depending on what kind of plans you have through at&t so that could be a possibility for you if you're listening to this right now uh before is just spending the, the 15 16 bucks out of pocket right now uh but i think based on what i've seen and because we don't have to guess about the new properties that are on there because there's more than enough old stuff to get you through i think mm. there's this is the healthiest library for any debuting streaming service i think in my opinion that we've come across yet
1: right because hbo is enormous wb is enormous the fact that you add the criterion collection or a bunch of it that's it is impressive mike i agree
0: all right so let's transition now to getting to what we watched this week with the segment we call what we're watching michael that's what we're watching thank you uh that is our theme music as well putting michael on the spotlight in the stage every week all right mike what did we watch together this week we watched the match champions
1: for charity on was it sunday or monday all these days bleed together now (laughs) but this was this was peyton manning and tiger woods versus phil mickelson and tom brady playing golf and it was pretty damn riveting, I thought.
0: I loved it, and I want more celebrity pairings like this. Like, <laughs> Steph Curry tweeted that he wants to be in the next match. Why not pair him up with Justin Thomas, who was doing the play-by-play from the sidelines down there, uh, who's one of the greatest golfers in the world. I think we should just blow this out. And I, I love the the unique perspective you get. I love the coaching Phil Mickelson did when he's coaching up Tom Brady. Where do you want me to put it? Where should I shoot the ball? As opposed to and contrasting that with Tiger Woods, who was basically not giving Peyton Manning anything. Just basically telling him what the approach is going to be When they hit the, get to the next ball and that's it And uh, they, obviously that worked Because Peyton and Tiger did end up winning the match By, by one hole So I, I was enthralled with all of this And I love the inside baseball type looks We got from the different camera angles And the players being mic'd up And all that stuff
1: yeah, Tom Brady is so coachable. That's the Patriot way <laughs> talking there, which was, yeah, it was astounding. And it was fun to watch the, the, the contrast of that uh, on the Tiger woods Peyton side where they really didn't get into the nitty-gritty on a right. lot of stuff. Like uh, you know, Peyton and, and Tiger were just kind of going with it, and he wasn't getting into into Peyton's head. Who's probably more of that, you know? I have to be on on top of my own game type of a guy because he was like a coach on the field when he played. Right. But I, I love seeing the interaction. It was funny. Peyton, they were feeding off all of the trash talk. It was great to see both quarterbacks clutch on the golf course. Yeah, and to see how the you know that knack carried over. But to me, like the big winner here is uh, TNT because this was a close ma- close match for like all five hours yeah. like it got like the biggest lead was three holes and is anybody watching this if it's a five stroke lead we're, we're both saying stupid golf uh, uh terminology here because we're both saying're they're up holes they're up strokes but if it was a if, a, if it was a five stroke lead heading into the 18th nobody's watching this no obviously. I thought
0: it was holes I thought they were doing hole by hole no
1: I don't know now
0: I, Regardless, now I don't know. Your, yeah, your point remains. No, probably less people are watching it if it's a blowout. But they do have to tweak some stuff, I think. Like, you have to be more prepared for a rain delay than they were. And it mm-hmm. was getting dark. and The players were complaining about how they could barely see towards the end of it because there was this hours-long rain delay. And But it was fun to watch how fast they were going because of that. Yeah, that, that's I, I true. Say. That's a good point. And that could be an innovation that they pick up because golf is usually not known for its quickness. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's speed round so that's true I, I did enjoy that and it it made things you know it's it made it intensified the drama and made you keep watching so that was that was good but if you do have a rain delay and you have charles barkley just give charles barkley the stage for how, as long as the rain delay lasts i don't know why they were doing
1: anything else the only thing funnier would have been if charles barkley was involved here
0: they have to let him play
1: I've seen his bloopers, and they're hilarious because he's so damn big. So when he looks <laughs> bad, he looks bad, and it would have been really funny to watch like uh, Phil Mickelson paired up with Charles Barkley. They he probably would have punched him out like the yeah. whole four.
0: You have to get Barkley on the course for one of these, just because everybody to. needs to see that swing. It is abominable. At least for the bloopers. The man probably is
1: much better than us, but he's probably much better. Mike, I don't know if that's
0: true. I've seen him golf.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Mike, what else did you watch this week?
0: I got a carnival of depression that's still going on. Uh, uh, Of course. I'm just being quite cathartic. There's a YouTube channel called That Chapter, and I have gone headlong and dove deep into all true crime, brutal murders, family members turning on one another and covering up the body and blah, blah, blah. At anybody could want. Look, yes, it's depressing, but I do want to highlight the positive. Not about murder, but about the way that chapter presents it. They're a a little YouTube channel. I'm pretty sure they're independently run. They have some sponsors. It's basically just one guy with glasses in front of a camera setting the stage, and then they interweave uh, both real-life newspaper clippings and audio and video from like interrogations and police interrogations and courtroom scenes. They do a really, really great job with the presentation. It keeps you watching. These stories are like 20 minutes, 30 minutes. It's like the best possible version of anything Quibi could do if they went into the true crime direction. <laughs> uh hmm. so I, I just wanted to give them a shout out but boy have i been watching a ton of that i've been countering it with community i'm still going deep into community i'm almost done with season two but that's been my free time has been basically bouncing between that chapter on youtube and community on uh on netflix i have not uh been not been doing much of the movie watching
1: how large are these series because here's my question. like I cannot watch a show. It like it pains me. it's it's like I'm going nowhere. It's like I'm struggling in quicksand if I watch the first two seasons of Modern Family. I feel like I've accomplished nothing, right? <laughs> if i if I watched a show that exists for eight eight seasons long, it drives me crazy. I just did it with curb your enthusiasm and I had to watch like a bunch of shorter things just to feel like I've accomplished more. Like right now, my my movie and TV watching is like a lot of first seasons like a lot of limited series Mm -hmm. kind of thing Mm -hmm. like how do you you, don't you get mired in the uh the 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 abyss of watching long form stuff that is so long and and you will never finish didn't you just do Frazier not too long ago which was like a billion seasons long yeah but the world was not (laughs) in a pandemic and i chipped away at it for months and months and months and i am so caucasian (laughs) That I forgot to mention that if I'm if it's something that is just a rite of
0: passage for Caucasians and media, then maybe I can handle it. Dan Harmon stuff speaks to me. I don't know. I I, I I need to catch up on Rick and Morty, but I love all Dan Harmon's stuff. And I think it's pretty uh, intelligently written. So I, I don't know. I don't ever feel I mean, I only watch it late at night anyway when I'm getting ready to go to bed. It's not like I'm doing that in place uh-huh. of like yard work or shit that needs to be done around the house so I guess I can feel less guilty about it that way but yeah I'm a slob I, I, I get melded to my couch sometimes it happens well, to drift off into the
1: uh, sweet abyss of your sleep you can live in the end endless middle is what you're saying. <laughs> because i can't do that that sounded like poetry but yes whatever that means
0: yes
1: (laughs) well that's why i'm not a tv critic because i can't handle the endless middle of television (laughs) it's driving me nuts i need the british series version yeah you you need a
0: finite end end time that you know you're working towards i got you no that doesn't that's never really bothered me but i thank you for introducing that concept so now i can obsess over it and just be disgusted (laughs) with myself
1: well, I don't know. I'm not, that's not what i tried to say. <laughs> I'm hoping, like, I'm hoping you have a strategy, but you don't. That's my worry now. I don't have a strategy
0: for anything in life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Well,
1: can I get into my
0: stuff Yes, now? what did it, you it was watch? Very,
1: well, it was very strategic, so maybe you can learn a thing <laughs> or two. Well, obviously I watched Lance Part 1, the ESPN 30 for 30 documentary about Lance Armstrong You know, there's some revelations involved in this. This is coming off the last dance, where ESPN was doing great with Sunday night documentaries. You know, doing great in in the ratings. You know, this is not going to be that. Even though this is going to be a two-parter, and I think if you you know you're into this uh, kind of storytelling, you know, you'll love it. It, it, It's got all of the uh, traits of a good thirty for thirty. I learned more but I don't think I learned enough necessarily because Lance Armstrong's
0: been covered quite a bit. Is he being open and honest about everything? Is there, I mean, are they asking deep questions or is it all just still surface level stuff for part one? There's a couple of huge revelations
1: that I was, like, shocked Good. to hear. Like, really shocked to hear. I'm not going to spoil it right now. So it's worth it for at least two major moments in part one. I think if you're unfamiliar with the story, if you hadn't watched a couple documentaries before this, if you hadn't seen the Ben Foster movie, right. then it's probably more palatable for you. Like, I knew a lot of the stuff going in, so it, it's a kind of a, a boring retread for some of it. But, I, 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 you know, I'm not as captivated with this as I am in the last stance, but it's something... I'm going to watch part two next week. Is he likable? No. No. I think it's... They're trying to be transparent with the fact that they know that we know that he's full of shit. Right. And he knows that we know that he's full of shit, and we all know that he's a manipulator, and it's building to the big climax, I think, of act two, or part two, where it's going to get on him for how hard he fought the people that were trying to speak out against him. right because that, that seems like what's mounting towards it wasn't just the cheating it was how he was trying to you know to just kill and crush the uh whistleblowers so, not kill but he was trying to trust crush them legally
0: where did part one end
1: it ended with after his first tour to france win
0: okay all right so it's kind of i mean it, the the big fall is what they're building up towards in part two it seems like I'm guessing that'll be the latter
1: hour of part two, okay. and the first first hour will be how he cheated through his his meteoric
0: rise. Interesting. It is something I do want to watch, and I maybe I will watch part two. I, I just didn't get around to it on Sunday night, but uh, yeah, I, I do want to see. That is a fascinating, fascinating story. Uh, so maybe I'll be uh, I'll be drawn in for that. Uh, what else you got, Mike?
1: The Morning Show, I finished season one on Apple TV+. Plus. This is train wreck TV drama at its best. You might like this a lot. Like You huh. cannot look away from this tra- train wreck, car crash, whatever you want to call it. It is thoroughly entertaining. Huge stuff, stuff happens every episode, and you get huge performances. I don't know if they're great performances. I just know they're huge performances by Aniston, Witherspoon, and Carell for sure. <laughs> it's got a deep bench Google and Bathara you know uh, Mark Duplass a lot of great actors in this Marcia Gay Harden a lot of great actors deep bench they're going for it, and yet somehow it works because I think it's like there's just a real sense of anger here, you know, coming from the Me Too movement. It's, it's kind of very Matt Lowry in its premise, uh, and they're very upset about the aff- state of affairs in the world, in the business world, in the entertainment industry. I agree with what they're saying and what they're really screaming at the audience in this instance, but it is done with a heavy hand, so you got to be ready for that. But I, I enjoyed the watch from start to finish.
0: How many episodes was the season? Ten. Does it seem like there's going to be a season two? Oh, yeah. has okay. to be a season two. Okay. So
1: it's, it's something that could draw you into Apple for a while. It's probably their, their trademark show right now, uh, I would guess. I would agree with that. I watched The Painter and the Thief, Michael. This is a 2020 documentary that Ann Thompson touted yeah. as being – you know, Neon's hope for a documentary feature notch. She just wrote a great article, so you guys should read that. This is on Hulu right now. It was scheduled for a theatrical release, but Hulu, I think, bought it or pushed it up. Anyway, The Painter and the Thief, it, it's like a grueling watch. So with my documentary feature branch, you know, history with them, <laughs> like this is the type of movie that gets picked. More than the move, the happier movies that I want to see picked, but it, it makes some sense. Like it reminded me of Minding the Gap, even though that's t- entirely different in terms of the subject matter. But look, you you got some sorrowful domestic abuse here. You got some drug abuse. You got some incarceration. Those are topics of discussion, topics of the story, and, and that's in the very premise of the film. So I'm not spoiling anything. Well, what is but the it, premise?
0: That's what I was going to ask you.
1: Well, basically, the thief of this painter's most iconic piece of work they they form a relationship after he gets out of jail or really before and after he gets out of jail and it's and it's fascinating it promises like searching for Sugarman reversals i don't necessarily think it delivers on those promises at least in its marketing campaign but it does reward you for your patience and your perseverance it's it's almost a little hammy when they start it but if you think about the entire project they must have sh- shot this thing for 15 years 20 years i mean it spans like a saga like they could have made a mini series out of this or a docuseries out of this so the fact that they get it all into one documentary the fact that the people get more comfortable in front of the cameras by the end of it, so that that, that awkward feeling that you have in the beginning doesn't last. I, I was very impressed with this. I could totally see it getting legs.
0: I think you may have talked me into that one, and I will be goddamned if you talk me into the next thing on your list.
1: <laughs> yeah, military wives. Why on Hulu? <laughs> It's so corny, it's so over-sentimental, but it worked on me, Michael. It, oh, I was God. emotional by the end of this to see all these gor- you know, gorgeous military wives singing. I mean, where have you been, Peter Cataneo? I mean, Mike, he, we got to know him from the Full Monty, and I was glad to see him make a feel-good movie again. Uh, it's like Sister Act. Uh, they reference Rocky in the film, Sharon Horgan of Catastrophe, Kristen Stagat, Thomas of all of my mom's films. Yes. Basically, her nightly viewing. Yes. And every movie she ever recommended to me. I feel like For, if she wasn't wearing
0: yeah. a Victorian era gown in that, that series, it wasn't <laughs> worth watching.
1: But she's the haughty of the two, so this is <laughs> this is fun to watch those two people. Sharon Horgan's kind of a you know she's the fun uh, military wife, and of course Kirsten Stock Scott Thomas is like the dowager countess of Naturally. the group. So anyway, it, it really worked. I, I give it a solid B grade. I probably give a B plus or a, or a high B for the the painter and the thief. I'm gonna kind of list the the rest of this stuff here I, because I knew I had a I had a bunch of movies that I did not like. I watched a bunch of Oscar movies that I turned out to really enjoy. Black Narcissus with Deborah Kerr from 1947, Mike, had some of the most beautiful production design. My- Michael Powell movie, some of the most beautiful production design I've ever seen. It's about nuns uh, living in this castle atop this jungle village, so it was gorgeous. Hmm. I watched The Accused, which is something that I think you should watch. Obviously, you got Jodie Foster, Foster. Powerful, heartbreaking performance at the center of it. Uh, I didn't expect such a good story, and I learned a lot about the legal process. So I would be
0: interested to hear your thoughts on The Accused at some point. You know what I need to start doing? Because I keep saying you bring up stuff, and you truly do. You bring up stuff that I want to watch. I need to just write it down in the moment because by the time I'm finished editing the episodes and hearing your voice for hours at a time on end, I want nothing to do with you. So I don't go back and re listen and and think of your good suggestions. But I'm going to start doing that because, yeah, I. I want to watch that. Mike, I write all this shit
1: down. I have Google Documents for you for every, any occasion. Yeah, then this then is read, why when you, t- you text me for TV recommendations, it just infuriates me. But because then I, I read thought, it,
0: and it's your voice in my head, and I can't have that in my free time.
1: Uh, <laughs> Michael, I also watched Splendor in the Grass. And after watching the Natalie Wood documentary on HBO uh, last week, 10 days ago, you know this was fun to watch, watching Warren Beatty, watching Natalie Wood. They're excellent in this. I'm really impressed with the both of their acting talent and I've seen a bunch of Natalie Wood films but it's been a, uh, a it's been a while so it was nice to get that refresher on how talented they were my big takeaway though Sex education would have really helped in nineteen sixty one. Like these horny teenagers don't know what to do with themselves and this plot line is patently ridiculous for the first hour and a half. And then the film actually sticks the landing and you realize why it's such a beloved story. So it's it's hard to watch twenty twenty eyes and, and how we, you know, teach kids about everything nowadays. Right. Like uh, <laughs> why are they going insane because they can't have sex? <laughs> Anyway, it's that kind of movie for the first half of it. But I did have another list, Michael, of stuff that I absolutely loathed. Uh, This is all new stuff. I feel like I wasted my money on VOD. The trip to Greece with Steve Coogan and Rob Brydon. Not enough food porn. Not enough funny impersonations. They took themselves far too seriously. They made it about his dying father. It was a total just bummer. And that
0: was a huge letdown, too, because you were looking forward to that one.
1: I really, really, really was. Yeah.
0: Another movie was True History of
1: the Kelly Gang. Michael the close talking in this movie is horrifying and goddamn whoever set the blocking up for this film. <laughs> Cuz every friend they're they're like clo- they're talking like inches apart. Their faces are inches apart everybody in this movie that's, that's from how, russell crowe's burly beard to uh you know essie davis who's the mother of george mckay in this movie like if my mother ever talked to me an inch away from my face i would go on a crime sp- spree as well that's like how i'm gonna Kelly talk gang. to
0: you next time we're in person after all this pandemic is over uh,
1: What? Well, uh, <laughs> why why would anybody talk this closely Anyway, that, that's my biggest, I mean, it has some cool stuff in it. There's some innovative action scenes, a lot of artistry involved. The filmmaker has talent, but I hated the viewing experience. Speaking of which, I watched the movie Extraordinary. It's supposed to be a romantic horror comedy with Will Forte as the bad guy here. Really well intentioned. I wanted to like this movie. It got positive reviews, but I got to level with the folks out there. This is not scary. This is not funny. This is not romantic. No soup for them. It's not a good movie. I'm sorry.
0: I'm okay with uh, people going outside their genre and trying new things. I think it would take a miracle for Will Forte to be taken seriously as a bad guy in my life, because all I would envision is the Falconer from his SNL sketches.
1: He's supposed to be a, a comedic villain, but it, it, it really doesn't work. I didn't didn't laugh once I just remember just like moaning waiting for the movie to end so that's where I was at and then Sonic the Hedgehog I finally rented that and kids probably love it gamer parents are probably into it as well I'm not a huge video game guy even though I did play Sonic back in the Sega Genesis days I thought it was very bland very predictable C plus C maybe the C plus is for Jim Carrey he's kind of fun but I'm not a huge fan so I was a little let down by those
0: four in particular is it a C because Carrey starts with C and that's the letter grade you wanted to give it to be? Uniform?
1: Why not? <laughs> But Mike, I get a lot of anxiety about, you know, throwing out a bunch of negative reviews, especially at the end here of a segment. So I need to get out of this, but I have to listen to William Bibiani and be the, you know, well-rounded critic at the same time and, and tell the people what I hate as much as what I love. But that's
0: why we have the segments to tell people what to watch and what to, what they might want to avoid. And also you're doing God's work because you're actually watching all the new content that comes out while I give my fourth weekly update in a row about Community, which was a show that went off the air six years ago. So it's a delicate balancing act is what it is. Uh, We can transition into more news, though, as I murder the word transition and its pronunciation. And we talk about (laughs) a box office I have to take off my retainer next time I do that. (laughs) So, Mike, Tom Brueggemann from IndieWire has had a lot of stuff to say about Tenant potentially coming out July 17th, hopefully coming out July 17th, and still, as of this recording, planning on coming out July 17th.
1: Yeah, he wrote a great article on IndieWire and a couple of major takeaways. Number one, the actual investment on tenant might be north of $300 million around three fifty. I was shocked to hear that. And that's why they're not moving it. <laughs> well, but at the same time, if they, they need guaranteed dollars to make money off the top right. of that budget, oh my goodness, I guess that's a marketing budget attached or yeah, whatever. Yeah, that's, that's got to be everything. Yeah, uh, the obvious issues of reduced capacity, no in-person star tours and promotions, uh, all the biggest markets not going to be quite ready, or will they? Those seem to be subsiding a little bit, some of these obvious issues. We've read a lot of surveys. People are not necessarily going back to the movies and droves, but they're going back, and they're saying they'll go back if big movies hit theaters again. But the biggest news on that is L.A. theaters, this was an announcement on the 19th of last week, L.A. theaters are now targeting a July 4th date. New York City and Chicago, they haven't nailed down anything in terms of a comeback date yet uh, at the time of this recording. But they do seem to uh, be next in line, and they will
0: say something soon, we think. Yeah, movie theaters, as far as Connecticut and what their reopening steps are going, movie theaters are going to be part of what's called Phase 2. And the target date right now for Phase 2's rollout uh, is supposed to be June 20th. So there's, I guess, more reason to be optimistic that this will actually come out on the 17th and there will be places for it to play. Well, we knew the big markets needed to open up. So if the big markets are open,
1: it it seems much more feasible. What's what's interesting and what we've been covering for a while... Ruggerman highlighted in his last paragraph and it, it does seem to be a little push-pull between the studio of Warner Brothers and Christopher Nolan or at least he seems to be framing it like Nolan may revel in tenant serving as, a, as the hero riding into the rescue of the theatrical experience. His studio may wish for a less stressful set of circumstances, but he does finish the article with, if Warners were to delay the film, it would be a blo- body blow to theaters, but changing must much closer to the date or opening to disappointing results, that might hurt more for the larger
0: picture. Yeah, and that's something that we haven't highlighted enough either to our detriment is what happens if this does come out the 17th and it's still, as we've had reports from other theaters that have been opening up, and yes, there's no new films in theaters right now anyway, so that could be partly to blame for it, but, I mean, there's theaters opening in the South right now that are doing maybe 25% of what they would usually do at this point right now, as we've heard from some southern states. There's theaters that aren't, they're going to have to be reduced capacity regardless, so even if this comes out on the 17th, is it going mm-hmm. to save movie theaters? Is it going to draw enough people in? And even if it does draw enough people in, what's going to be the cutoff for people to actually see this? Because movie theaters are going to have to be in reduced capacity, especially, I would say, in major cities, with New York and L.A. being the two biggest ones who have you know, been dire to keep people away from each other and have most emphasized social distancing and keeping those measures in place uh, to keep the coronavirus pandemic down. So there's good and bad to this actually making its date. If they're going to pull it from the 17th, they need to do so within the next 10 days. Yeah. Uh, right it's, I mean, it's we're getting that to that drop
1: dead yeah it's getting to that drop dead date no doubt about it i, I do think they got to be worried about all the things you mentioned with the uh, southern theaters in oklahoma and georgia not doing that well there are a lot of a lot of articles out on that utah is not doing well and if you look at box office mojo the number five new movie mike made fifteen dollars so what Christ. the hell are we talking about here so obviously people aren't going back to the movie theaters yet they're not ready that's why they're probably rushing all the these surveys out there to people and that's why amc was probably smart from the beginning in saying like we're not going to reopen until there's new stuff to
0: reopen with so i wonder who's going to be the person to pull the plug i would think it'd be wb i don't think it's going to be christopher nolan to advocate i mean he's been too busy advocating for theaters to open to worry about pulling the movie at this point and advocating for pulling the movie it would have to be wb being worried about they don't make enough money to sustain it to to make it worthwhile right that's the way i am reading into it no doubt about it
1: look i he's probably got like a back-end deal on the gross and and on the profits but that being said you know he's probably doing well enough in his own right and to take the chance at being you know the hero writing <laughs> in here like bruggeman said uh it makes some sense and, it, and it's just a good thing to do just in general so I'm rooting for him I'm rooting for all the mitigating factors that that uh, movie theaters want to put into place with the extra screening spacing them out more etc etc as being something that can work for them because i hope to be able to make that decision with confidence just like you yeah. that we can go see this at the very least at a drive-in but hopefully at a, at a regular theater next next month or two months from now well, time is just going so <laughs> slow michael
0: yeah the, the, if we get to mmo weekly next week and this thing is still hasn't been changed i i i I don't know that there's going to be anything coming back from it. i think that might actually just be going forward with what it is and they'll be comfortable in their decision i'm rooting for it i'm rooting for it to stick
1: the date and and to do well for sure mike the next big story according to a market analyst amc is no longer at risk for bankruptcy apparently that debt offering worked out for them and apparently they're set to come back in july and august
0: So this is good news, obviously, and we don't want AMC to go bankrupt. We don't want one of the biggest theater chains in the nation to not be able to withstand a pandemic. And it's also, I guess, heartening the fact that they were able to do so on their own, that they don't need to be reliant on the government's help, even though I I do have obvious feelings about that that I've made known, and somebody should Mm -hmm. be sticking their neck out for this entire industry and and offering as much help as they can other than just the uh, the payroll uh, exemption that has been handed out to, uh, which is only available to small business, Anyway, uh, not even large businesses, even though some large businesses did benefit. Overall, good news. Glad to see it. Glad to hear it and hope it's true. I'm with you, Mike, and I co-sign all
1: of it. The biggest number, though, this week came from Netflix because they said 37.6 million people watched the Willoughby's In its first however many days. That is an enormous number that if you took like the $10 average movie ticket and and extrapolated that out, that's at least 376
0: million. I could do that math. I just moved the decimal (laughs) point. Mike, that's huge. I wonder how many of those 37.6 million were just parents playing it for the fifth and sixth time over the weekend just to keep their kids quiet. (laughs) Could be, but that's like the worst movie to, to play for kids because like, it's not very pro parent. <laughs> right, right. That's true. That's actually a good point. I just know, speaking of my brother and, 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 you know, my niece and nephew are, are four and seven respectively. Yeah. and He's watched the troll movie for a billion times in a row. He watched oh, Scoob no. for like five times in a row in the 48 hour period he had it. It's like, this is what these parents of these young kids have been doing just desperate for some peace and quiet, which I can understand. Uh, I, I wonder if, if he
1: thinks either of those movies are any good, mm-hmm. though. Can you give us a quick shmave review secondhand? I, I'll
0: have to get it from him. I don't know. But I imagine if, if it is, it's got to be like Stockholm Syndrome. He's just found a way to relate to these characters because he thinks they're <laughs> part of his life now and his day-to-day interactions
1: yeah mike you should uh, just see him not blinking when he tells you in (laughs) person finally when you can hang out just not blinking like cult follower eyes telling you
0: trolls world 2 is not that bad (laughs) clockwork orange type stuff going on with him (laughs) we could wrap up here with our audience interaction segment we had a couple questions that we asked to you guys on film twitter uh the first of which going in line with our top five episode from last week what are your biggest film letdowns and we had some cool answers
1: yeah, Dom at Dom Holder. He said, Shakespeare in love over Saving Private Ryan. Quote, I can still hear the absolute disgust <laughs> in Harrison <laughs> Foyd's voice when he read that out at the Oscars.
0: Yes, very true.
1: Of course, Wojciech gave us a list, Michael. He said Prometheus because the trailers were incredibly atmospheric. So and misleading. Did not deliver. He said First Snow, which must have been the Polish title for, oh, fuck.
0: The Snowman, right? Or the... The
1: Snowman. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, th- 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 we'll leave that in. But I was mad I couldn't remember The <laughs> Snowman because I almost like watched the beginning of it last night out of curiosity. It's on demand with Michael Fossbender. But it is a good book, a book or a book by Joe uh, Nesbo. And it's a good book. Oh, you are all over the place I'm here. Done. I'm shot. I'm shot The shit. It was too long of a what we're watching segment. Mike, I think first no should have been better. I agree
0: with Wojcik. It had Oscars potential when, it, when people, when the previews were out. There was Oscars buzz about it. And then it was like an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes.
1: Oh, it's down even worse now. It's yeah. like
0: 7%. Mike, he also said the Hateful Eight, song to song
1: in the X-Files, I Want to Believe.
0: The Hateful Eight was a good movie. How dare you, Wojcik? Well,
1: yeah, that's our one quibble, but I kind (laughs) of agree with him on the other
0: two at the very least.
1: Mike, the main guy, at with dummies. He said Batman v, v Superman, and oh my God, do I agree. I was literally swearing at my laptop when i finally watched that movie i just remember being just like i can't finish this i hate this movie so damn much
0: that was such a misleading marketing campaign too because there were worries i almost included that on my list was the misdirect that wb and uh, dceu films have had because much like suicide squad uh it was almost the opposite of suicide squad actually the first two trailers for batman v superman were so worrisome And there were so many doubts, and like, this doesn't look that great. And then they released a third trailer, like two weeks before the film debuted, and it looked fucking awesome. And it looked like the exact opposite. I mean, it looked like what you would want a Batman v Superman movie to be. It was all focused on the action, and intense music, and hard rock music, and it was so misleading to the fact that, to the point where everyone was like, what is going on with this film? And then it was, obviously, our worst fears We realized when we all got into the theaters there.
1: And I own it somewhere too, which is even worse Because I remember being so excited to buy it I missed it in theaters, but I was like, alright This is a movie, at least I'll have fun watching Because right? it's fun, <laughs> it's Batman versus Superman It should be fun, so when it came out on video We didn't have a podcast back then, but I, I Own it on iTunes or something, and it's just, it just Disgusts me, yeah. I hate that movie My copy of Legion on DVD, not looking So shabby now, is it? <laughs> That's, well, it, I get burned And then I stay away from the fire That's the difference between you and I <laughs>
0: David Long at one. David Long, our buddy there. I had some money very early around August for First Man to win Best Picture at the Oscars. I heard such great things, and whilst there was much to be admired about it, I immediately knew once I saw it that my money was gone. I felt empty after watching that film. We vehemently disagree. We loved First Man. <laughs> we did love
1: First Man, but we can empathize with David and his uh, his betting Yes, it's
0: lack of funds after a sure bet. Yes, I very much (laughs) empathize greatly. Uh, Liza, at Liza and her cat, Showgirls. Even Kyle MacLachlan didn't make it better. Has to be seen to be believed, that's for sure, how bad this is. Crude, there are better movies about exploitation in show business. I remember watching Showgirls for the like the first time since it came out because of course I watched it on like Skinamax when I was a little mm-hmm, kid mm-hmm. but I remember going back to it a, a couple years ago for the first time and just <laughs> wow I like how you said that of course I
1: watched I, it when yeah, I was well, a little we kid cuz I was we always we a all there Yeah, no, I I wouldn't have phrased it that way, but I I co-sign, and I I agree with you, and and honestly, I could say the same. At RL Terry 1, he says, as abominable as the 2010 A Nightmare on Elm Street is, I didn't go into it with high hopes, so his pick for most disappointing movie experience is Jurassic World and their Fallen Kingdom franchise there. I, I He said I was excited for the return to the franchise's horror roots, but that movie just really sucker punched me. Still have not seen
0: a single one of those.
1: They're not great. No. I, I like the first act of the Jurassic World, and then once they try to lean into the horror stuff, yeah, it's terrible. Like there's Too much pterodactyl stuff. Come on. It's <laughs> absurd. It's hilarious how this woman gets thrown around by the all the pterodactyls.
0: Stop pitching the, the pterodactyl stuff, Huey. <laughs>
1: Very true. <laughs> Jurassic Park three sunk by the pterodactyls, man. Maybe not. Maybe the added dinosaur. But Mike Sean Geek Podcast at Sean Geek Podcast S E A N to spell Sean. He said hurt, and this was a, a movie that he was working on that was never released. And he says I'm still bitter. I worked on it as a screenwriter, producer, and a host of other jobs. The entire film was shot, editing began, but was never finished. Music was optioned. Oh, that sucks. So, I was glad to include that story of his woe, but uh, yeah, I mean, our
0: heart goes out to him because it happened to me as well. Yeah, that's no good. Nobody ever likes that happening. Uh, Definitely, our heart goes out to him. So we had a follow-up question as well. What's the first movie that comes to mind when you hear the term hidden gem, Michael? We had a couple that we can reel off. Gidget Von
1: LaRue has been the uh, the star of, of a lot of these mov- movie response questions on Twitter, and she's had a list. Kinky Boots, White Mischief, Quills, Stealing Beauty with Liv Tyler, and she runs the Retro Cinema Podcast. Yes. So she's a contributor on that podcast, and she's awesome, and she breaks your balls all the time on Twitter, so I wanted to give her a shout-out. How dare she? Michael, they always move to Florida. Great Twitter handle at they underscore move said romancing the stones, So that connects to our last yeah. last top five episode as well. Lindsay M. Warner at Draco Malfoy lover LVR three.
0: Yeah, There's two okay. other Draco Malfoy lovers on Twitter.
1: <laughs> Apparently <laughs> Stephen King's
0: creep show. Have you seen any of those? Oh, I saw creep show years ago. Uh, Mm. And it was exactly pretty much what I thought it was going to be. Uh, I've seen parts of Romancing the Stone. The only thing I can remember about it is the Family Guy joke where they call it Romancing the Bone. So it means nothing to me in the long term. (laughs) I remember liking Kinky Boots
1: way back. That was like in Blockbuster rental days. And Quills, I just remember being so grossed out by that... uh, Oh, the Jeffrey Rush performance! Like his teeth were gross. Oh God! But so I'd Gidget apparently can tolerate the teeth. There
0: <laughs> can tolerate the teeth. Uh, we have teeth. a list of films here that you are a big fan of, Mike, as well. Real DMC at R E E L D M C says, Paris, Texas. Will you? Amen. Will you say that? I guess they got a copyright C in there. At Real Arsenalism. R-E-A-L-A-R-S-E-N-A-L-I-S-M. My summer of love is what they say. Yeah, for,
1: probably for the wrong reasons, because I probably watched this when I was much... I, de- I did watch this when I was much mong- younger, but in, like Showgirls was bad. This movie <laughs> movie was actually good. <laughs> and it also had a lot of boobies. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Spencer, for the record. Spencer at Solid Z-D-A-R, Solid Z-D-A-R, says Manhunter...
1: I was shocked at how good Manhunter was. I discovered it way after the Silence of the Lambs Yeah, that was series, William Peterson, right? Michael Mann. Oh, my God. The guy from Succession. Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Is that, is that
0: William Peterson? Am I remembering that right? Yeah, yeah. William yeah. Peterson. All right. All right. Uh, I, I, it's been a long time since I've seen that. You guys are hearkening back into my memory here with some of these titles. Uh, coming off the reels, at Off the Reels, they say, Attack the Block.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, that's been a favorite of, of mine for a while in terms of a hidden gem. And that would come to my mind when I when I would think of the term hidden gem. So I, I wrote back effing A on that one. What, I want to ask you, what is your version of a hidden gem? I think mine would be Hunt for the Wilder People, the Taika Waititi movie. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit, but do you have anything that rolls off the tongue here? Legion on DVD. That's me <laughs> crushing... <laughs> my bot,
0: my my cup of water <laughs> out of anger i don't know i i this is a long episode i'm not ready for on the spot takes right now i would have to think about that i will come back with one at some point in the very near future i'm looking desperately to my right on my blu-ray collection trying to think of something but i (laughs) but you did this is the panic moment that's
1: been this entire show has been building towards you look at your dvd collection and realize you haven't seen a fucking one of those movies you blind buy freak what is wrong with you just get a streaming service and Get to pay the fifty dollars a month and slowly but surely check off, or just watch your DVD collection. You have the most absurd DVD collection in the history of DVD, uh, Blu-ray collections. You have seen none of it. Finally, not, I I pounced. You're not wrong. <laughs>
0: Yeah. all right guys well that's your trip your weekly trip around the hollywoods <laughs> we want to hear more from you we'll be asking more twitter questions as we have been the last couple weeks here we will be reading off the responses uh intermittently most times on mmo weekly but sometimes if they have to do with an oscars question we'll read those off on orc as well but as always we want to hear your thoughts comments questions concerns about everything we talked about in this episode as well as anything else going around in the mmo empire you can leave us those we are mike mike and oscar on facebook mike mike and oscar on instagram at mm and oscar on twitter mike mike and oscar at gmail.com.com and on reddit we are available everywhere you hear podcasts and that happens to be on the apple podcast app if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review that would truly help us out a bunch michael some words of wisdom for the nice people and what is coming next from mmo
1: Well, it's wise to have fun and have fun breaking balls where you can, as I always do with you. You killed
0: me more about me watching Community than I killed you about watching Army Wives. Well, (laughs) the the older younger brother dynamic, is that starting
1: to happen here? With the talk radio that we're doing, because I'm an older brother of four older brothers, and you are a younger brother of one schmave, So maybe that's starting to happen. I just can't help. Uh, I can't keep silent anymore, and I have to break your balls, which is t- completely arrogant and hypocritical of me. So you should fire back at some point. Mulholland Drive.
0: That's my... <laughs>
1: that's not hidden. hidden. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, what's coming next from us? Uh, I think we're going to do another Top Fives episode because we've been having so much fun with them. So that's the words of wisdom. Have fun, people, where you can. Do it safely. Have fun, you know, breaking chops and not going over the overboard and getting into real fights because I'm sure the cabin fever has set into everybody. But it's been real. I, I, wanted, I wanted to shout you out too, pal, because this has been very therapeutic. I think we're on a run of like... I mean, literally, I I texted you the other day. Like, our last 19 episodes have been a blast, and this would make uh, 20.
0: We're the best to ever do it. I agree.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. (laughs) <laughs> there you go, I can't I can't argue with you But yeah, we got new movies coming Like Shirley, The Five Bloods, and The King In Staten Island as well We got a mid-year Oscar re- report coming uh, In July, and we got another Bond episode As we're doing the James Bond character study Monthly, so All of that's coming from us, I finally answered your question
0: Always coming out with new stuff To get you through, guys, when reality sucks You can come watch these movies with us We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar, trying to make awards season year-round Without the stuffiness Stay safe, we will see you very soon
1: See ya.